Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning, everyone. This is John Carasella. I'm your host for today's fifth Sunday of the month call-in show. It is August 28th, 2016. It's a beautiful Sunday here in San Carlos, California, in the Bay Area. And I am waiting for your calls. We will be exploring all kinds of issues today. Anything that you bring, we will be happily uh, delighted to explore. You've got issues, relationship issues, if you've got financial issues, if you've got career issues, if you've got physical pain, if you've got um, sadness, emotional concerns, just go ahead and bring it all because we are here to help. So I'm at the controls today. It's been a while since I've commanded the... uh, call-in show, but I uh, do enjoy speaking with you all. I'm delighted to have you join me. The number, if you'd like to call in, is 646-716-5510, or you can Skype in using your browser if you're listening to this show uh, via a browser. Uh, You can just connect with the Skype button. So at the moment, there's no one in the queue, zero callers. So perhaps because it's the fifth Sunday of the month, um, there might be one reason why we're a little light. So um, I'll stay with you for a while, just uh, sharing a little bit of my own experience um, and uh, inviting you to, to call in. The number again, 646 716-5510. A little bit of dead air because I didn't expect to have no one call in, but uh, that's part of the fun of doing live radio, I guess. Um, I I will share with you that uh, I am in the process of taking some of my material from Convergence, the show that runs on the third Sunday of the month, and developing a book out of that material. It's quite exciting for me. So um, perhaps for uh, for the moment, until we see uh, some folks calling in, I can share with you a few thoughts from that material. Uh, in fact, why don't I do that? I'll pull up a little something. So, um, hmm. Yeah, let me let me read something to you from the the upcoming book, uh, Path of the Sorcerer. And uh, I actually want to share with you the the draft of the of the first chapter. <clears throat> so the book is called Path of the Sorcerer because I have. Uh, been on the shamanic path for quite some time, but um, there's a, a, there's a, there's 
sorcery and shamanism are related and we uh, don't necessarily get a very clear understanding of what the distinction between sorcery and shamanism is. And over the years, I have come to realize that much of my earth-based, earth-centered exploration more probably falls under the category of sorcery than shamanism. Uh, so now when I, when I do healing work and I, and I, and I uh, engage with clients, I'm very definitely working with uh, shamanic techni techniques and tools. Um, but the, the exploration that I do out in the world often seems to fall under the rubric of sorcery. So let me share with you from Path of the Sorcerer, the draft of the first chapter. Start with a quote from Arthur C. Clarke, any sufficiently advanced technology, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's from Arthur C. Clarke. Now, most of us have a pretty negative impression when we hear the word sorcery. We think of tall stone towers, dark night with uh, lightning flashing in the sky, crooked scepters capped with malevolently glowing gems. You know, that's a, that's a bad rap. Sorcery gets a bad rap from that imagery and from our cultural ex experience with stories of sorcery. Now, in my shamanic training, Michael Harner, who is reasonably... Uh, the dean of modern shamanism and the one man most responsible for its revival described the origins of the word sorcery by saying this sourcing he said was a term used in the celtic world for folk magic so this is dowsing for example dowsing was sourcing water harner also described a category of spirits that he called elementals these were spirits who were, he said, amoral. They didn't have an opinion of what was right or wrong. They were just there. So a little background is called for here. To, to really, really briefly summarize the basic principles and cosmological perspectives of shamanism, we need to postulate and, and really only need to postulate two things and, and accept them. The first is that spirits are real, whether you believe in them or not. They exist in a reality that's not the same as our ordinary quasi-consensus reality. So spirits are real, whether you believe in them or not. That's the first axiom of shamanism. The second axiom of shamanism is that one can learn to engage with them, to talk to them in effect, and develop a relationship with them. Now, the whole point of the work is to learn to communicate with spirits. Find the good ones, uh, and those good ones that, that will consent to teach you. Michael Harner calls them tutelary spirits. And then once you find your tutelary spirit and create a relationship with that tutelary spirit, learn what that tutelary spirit has to share. And what you learn along the way, some spirits have power and some spirits don't. Or perhaps more accurate, um, some spirits have more power than others. So, you're, you're engaging with spirits, you acknowledge that they're real, you learn to engage with them, you find a spirit that's a tutelary spirit. Some spirits have power that you meet along the way, some spirits don't have very much power. Now, this line of exploration brings up an obvious question. 
what is power? Now, there's no easy answer. Philosophically and practically, there are many different and nuanced ways to describe and understand power, just as there are many different ways to harness and apply it. So <clears throat> throughout the book, one of the points of the book is to explore more about and discover more about power. So for now, let's just say that power is something that's, well, let's say that it's something that's useful. Now, the elementals, Harner would say, these this class of spirits that he identified, the elementals, he would say, are amoral. Now, they're amoral, but powerful. What do we mean by, by these, these elementals? Mm, let's, let's name a few. The spirit of the east, the spirit of water, the spirit of wind, the spirit of a specific place, say, like Yosemite Valley, or the spirit of Denali. There's also the spirit of a particular tornado or of a particular local creek. These spirits are real, present, and available for us to engage. And fundamentally, they're laissez-faire. You know, they are um, available if they feel like it. You know, if you call on them and you know how to engage with them, their powers can be available to you. Now, another class of spirits that Harner talked about with caution were what he called middle world spirits. And again, a little background is useful here. In the cosmology of shamanism, as I was taught it, and again, I'm simplifying dramatically, um, there were three domains in non-ordinary reality, the upper world, the middle world, and the lower world. Now, for those who aren't, aren't familiar, non-ordinary reality, <laughs> that's a tongue twister, non-ordinary reality is a term coined by Carlos Castaneda to describe the world of spirits. It's a separate reality, but it is real in the sense that it's not just a figment of one person's imagination. It may not be entirely consensus, nor entirely predictable. It's more subjective than our ordinary consensus reality, but it is a reality in its own right. So say sorcerers and shamans. So now let's go back to this. In the cosmology of shamanism, as I was taught it, there are three domains in non-ordinary reality, the upper world, the middle world, and the lower world. The upper world is kind of like our common conception of heaven. It's ethereal, wispy, light. There's crystalline structures. It's very much an angels and open spaces kind of place. The lower world is like the Garden of Eden. It's a very rich natural landscape. Caves, rivers, mountains, vistas, fields, animals and plants of every sort. And now in both of these places, there are beings. People, human, human people, human-ish people, and not exactly human people. We could approach animals, plants, and these beings with confidence because residing in the upper and lower worlds, they're reliable. They're evolved. Fundamentally, they're compassionate spirits who know what work is good and nurturing. Compassionate spirits who know what work is good and nurturing and will only assist us if they can help in a compassionate, evolved, and nurturing way. And then there are the occupants of the middle world. Along with the terrain one finds in the middle world, it's generally very earth-like, but not exclusively so. In the middle world, the beings that live there are either amoral, like the elements, or still on the path to enlightenment. Another way to say this is that they're still connected to ego. So some of them 
were once living humans, our ancestors, for example, not all our deceased ancestors have evolved or transcended to the upper or lower worlds. Some continue their experience in the middle world because they like it there or because they're lost. Ghosts, for example, fall into this category. Simplifying again, middle world spirits are no more or less trustworthy than any random human being. So you can create a relationship from which you develop trust over time. But like humans and bodies, these spirits are fallible and can intentionally or unintentionally lead you to actions and schemes that have unhappy outcomes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So at this point, we might take up the question of why sorcery as a practice has a negative rap. The word conjures pejorative ideas of evil men in towers with lust for power scheming for their own personal gain. Now, from Mickey Mouse and Fantasia to Sauron and Lord of the Rings and countless other cultural impressions, we get the idea that sorcery is dangerous at best, evil at worst, and in nobody's ultimate best interests. So at this point, I'm going to take a little break because I do have a caller on hold. So if you're from the 631 area code, I've got you, and I'm going to bring you in. Six three one. Are you there? Yes. Hi. Hi. Good morning. What's your name? Good morning, Angela. Angela, and where are you calling from, yes. Angela? New York, Long Island. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Thank How you. This is you? my first time. This is oh, my first okay. time listening. <laughs> uh, okay. So well, you're 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 catching a somewhat unusual version of the call-in show because. Uh, normally, our call-in shows are full, and they're happening and on the fourth Sunday of the month, and this is the fifth Sunday, so folks might be out uh, already enjoying their Labor Day weekend, although it's a little <laughs> early for that. Anyway, right. um, Angela, I'm glad you're here. How? How? What's What's up for you? How can I help you? Maybe. Thank you. Um, what can I uh, ask? I don't. Well, what would you like to, what, how, tell me about your life. Tell me what's going on for you. Um, in my life, I, I, I feel like, uh, spiritually, um, I'm, I've been going through, uh, a lot of changes. Mm. Um, I constantly feel, uh, the lion presence. Oh, uh, lion. Mm. A lion. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yesterday I was reading about it and I saw that Archangel Ariel is, uh, she's affiliated with the line. I'm not sure. You know, I'm just like so confused about everything, but I know that what I'm going through is uh, very real. Um, uh, you know, I wake up every hour through the night. Um, I am a very spiritual person. I say my mm. prayers daily. Um, and and so what's so what's I, working in your life and what's not working in your life? Uh, I'm a worrywart. I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worry about everything. But, uh, you know, if you were, if I were to talk to you a year and a half ago, uh, I was in such a depressed state. Uh, 
until I, you know, started praying again and, you know, uh, became a lot more spiritual. And I've just, you know, been trying my hardest to stay on a straightforward path. And it's bumpy, but, you know, I get myself through it. Well, but, um, you know, you're, you're to be commended for um, lifting yourself out of uh, depression because that is some tough work. That is gee, very tough work. It was very. And I know that I'm uh, very empathic. I mean, people say that I'm very sensitive. And I know, you know, I feel other people's emotions and, you know, I... I feel like that is a big part of my uh, my daily struggles. Picking Ex explain up on the environment. Uh, so, so you, it, it's a burden for you to be sensitive, to be sensing other people's emotions. Absolutely, because I don't feel grounded. Right. So okay. Mm -hmm. I feel like everything is hitting me at once. I'm going through my awakening. I'm still feeling everyone's emotions around me because my environment is very hectic. I have two children. Um, mm -hmm. One is an 18-year-old, and he is just, you know, my worrywart child. <laughs> well, my worrisome child. Yeah, sure. I, I, I know what it's like to have 18-year-olds. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, my my husband's going through all these health issues, and then mm. on top of right. that, I feel the world's problems. You know, right? Okay, uh, okay. So so I'm going to recommend uh, just a little something for you. The probably the most important thing for you to do uh, is right. at, at least initially is to mm, separate out what is you from what is everybody else. And that's what's so and, hard for me to do. Well, okay. So there's a, there's a Buddhist, well, there's a little Buddhist uh, mantra. What okay. in this moment is lacking? Now, if you say that to yourself, what in this moment is lacking? What you really, it really calls you to, attend very specifically to your own condition wow. and it invites invites you to breathe i mean really like in this very moment angela what in this mm -hmm. moment is lacking you have your ability to if you have the ability to breathe air and you're not I'm in blessed. pain then in this moment you lack nothing <laughs> i lack nothing you're right that is right so, so when, when, when things start to feel overwhelming, realize that you are projecting into the future or living in the past. Much of what right. you're experiencing, much of what you've described is a function of either projecting into the future or living in the past. And of course, and, and, and everyone who's halfway awake knows that, that we as a species have done some terrible things to the planet and to each other on the planet and I don't mean to dismiss any of that, but you are in the place that you are in at this moment in time. To right. be in this moment in time in the place you're in, you're not 
there to be something else. And so within the domain of your span of action, you're right. in exactly the right place with exactly the right tools. So you don't have yeah. to worry about the world. You don't have to worry about the world. The world is going to take care of itself in a very real sanguine way. And we don't know what it's going to look like or, and we don't know what's coming. And we suspect that it might not be all, you know, pretty, that there's going to be some pain involved, but yeah. it's not your job to save the planet. It's your job to be in the place you're in with the tools you have bringing the love that you have to bear on the things around you. Okay. So you can relax a little bit about right. the, the grand scheme of things a little bit at least. Right. Yeah. And again, what in this moment is lacking? Take a breath and assess your surroundings. What in this moment is lacking? It gives you a, a span of however, for however long you can hold that thought to relax yeah. and rest and restore yourself. And so then you ask yourself, okay, what about my kids? What about my husband? What about, what about all this stuff that's going on in my immediate life? And again, what in this moment is lacking? Right. Now there's going to be right. times, there's going to be times when uh, you're going to feel pain, you're going to feel distress because of what's happening with your loved ones. Yeah. But remember that that's part of their path. They have a walk to walk and You're you right. can be there to love them and support them. But your job isn't really to change their lives so that they don't experience what they're walking towards. You're 100% right. So again, you can love them and you can hope for the best. You can hope that they don't suffer and you can even coach them to not suffer. But at the end of the day, they have to walk their walk. They have to live their life. You have to live, you, you are given the privilege of living your own. And so, right. you know, if you have the privilege of living your life, recognize that they also have as a privilege, the choice yeah. to live theirs. So, you know, now, you, you, hold, go ahead. Do you think it's um, a lot more, uh, I can't even get the words out. Do you it's think like, take your time. Because I'm an empath uh, and I feel my environment, everything around, the energy. Do you think that, you know, sometimes uh, my children, uh, my children's emotions are part, I make them part of my emotions and that's what brings oh, me down. Abs absolutely. <laughs> no doubt yeah. about it. If you're, if you're empathic, that one of the hardest things uh, and the most important lessons for an empath is to recognize the difference between what is you and what is the environment. You right. are, you know, em empaths, uh, cause I, cause I have this experience too. Empaths have a, a less opaque, a more permeable wall between themselves and the environment. And the truth is we're all one. So it's not like it's inaccurate to recognize 
that what right. other people feel are feeling is part of your experience because it is part of your experience. When someone else is it's sad, it is it's part of all of our experiences. The challenge right. for you though, is to not get caught up the fact that they're sad and the sense right. that there's something you need to do about it. It's okay for them to be sad. It's part of their walk. I can't, I, that's my problem. I have to, let that go. Well, Let it go. you're, you know, you're, you're not here to be God, right? right? You're not here to be the one that waves a magic wand and makes everybody else's pain go away. That's not your job. Although I wish, I know, I can't do that. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. But you know, there's a, listen, there's a tremendous burden of responsibility when you step into the role of fixing someone else's life. It's, it's an incredible responsibility. And yeah. we don't always know what the right thing to do for someone is. And to, That's where and I get to, so confused. Well, here's the thing. Serve gently. Don't, uh, don't force your, your own projection of what is good and right and healing for someone onto them. Wow. That's, off, yes. Offer it with, offer it without uh, ego attachment, without attachment. You can say, you know, yes. this is something that works for me, or this is something that I feel might be useful for you. But, but that, that's a very different thing from you should do X and then be, and then feeling attached to whether they do X or not. Right. That is so, so you're, true. So you're loving them by offering them the gifts that you feel you have to offer them. But right. you're loving yourself by not being attached to whether they accept the gift or not. Yes. You know, I want to illustrate this with a little analogy. This is actually a story that, um, that uh, came to me when I was doing some deep meditation. But uh, from, the, from this deep meditation, I got the, the following piece of wisdom. You know, if you what? walk out through the woods or along the beach or whatever, and you are really right. attentive to say, uh, let's say it's a pine tree. The pine okay. tree will say to you, this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. Whether you accept what it has to offer or not does not diminish the pine tree's self-esteem. Wow. You know, the, pine, the pine tree has needles. The pine tree has, has uh, pitch. It has right. the ability to produce oxygen, the ability to consume carbon dioxide, the ability to, to convert carbon dioxide into wood. It has all of these gifts. And it offers them unconditionally. But, the, wow. but it does, it does, it, it's not bummed out about whether right. you take those gifts or not. <laughs> so it's like, well, whatever, That's okay. So hey, Angela, here I am, a pine tree, I'm available. And you <laughs> walk right past it. It doesn't say, oh, I cannot believe, I must, there must be something wrong with me that Angela didn't stop and say hello or take advantage of my pine needles or, you know, like pine tree is completely right. content. So when you're in a place where you are striving to make a difference in somebody's life, 
remember that their reaction to you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their lived experience, right. what's happening right. inside their story. Everybody's the star of their own daytime drama. <laughs> right, that's and, so true. And so their, their, center <laughs> stage, their center stage in, in their experience. And you are a supporting cast member for their experience. That doesn't yeah, make you any less. To. Yeah, you got to let that go. Yeah. Just be, you know, it doesn't, the pine tree's self-esteem is not impacted by right. the passerby who does not reach out and accept its gift. Right. Love yourself wow. first and always, and everything else will work out. Yes, you're so right. That's so, thank you so much. You're, you're very welcome. Is there anything else that I can help you with right now? Uh, that is it. You were wonderful. Thank you so much for mm -hmm. taking my call. Oh, you're so welcome. Enjoy. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, I have a, an, an 845 area code showing up here. Uh, and 845, 845. Are you, you're on the air, 845. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Hi. What's your name? Hi, my name is Catherine. Catherine, and where are you calling from? New York. Okay. All right. So, Catherine, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing great. Is there something you want to share that maybe I can help with? Um, I had a question uh, regarding a project. Um, I recently connected with someone who's um, a family member. We hadn't uh, spoken in a while. Um, and I don't know, I'm just wondering if perhaps they might become a potential business partner um, with my work. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your work, if you can, um, if I you're comfortable. I freelance various projects. And you feel like your, your relative has come back into your life. Was it a, was it a delightful reconnection with them? Um, yes, like it, it kind of just happened um, very spontaneously. Like I, I, I know that um, I'm going to be in their area, so something just told me, you know, give a call. Mm -hmm. um, and the, your and your connection was happy and fun. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, what makes you wonder? What what is it that brings the idea of them being a business partner to you? Are well, you do you need a business partner or like what what was it that triggered that thought for you? Um, it just seems like it would be nice, um, like a a comfort to work with family. Oh, that's a, like it would be a that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, okay, and what do you think it would feel like to work with this person? Um, kind of nurturing. I mean, you know, I wouldn't um, slack on any performance on my part. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of, I think it would be more not just about the bottom line, mm -hmm. um, but just kind of more of a peaceful atmosphere. And what do you have to bring to this person? 
Um, in other words, what's in it for them? Stuff. Right, right. Well, everything I've um, built so far. And do you get the sense that, that your relative is, um, that, that what you've built so far is like, is it a, is it a financial, is it a financial gift that you're bringing in the sense that you're creating opportunity for this person or is there something right. else? Right. Yeah. Like okay. creating an opportunity. I want to see if they want to come on board. Mm-hmm. And what's the initials of the, of the, of your relative? AF. AF. Mm-hmm. A as in Alfred, F as in Fox. Okay, and how are you? How are you feeling um, energetically? Like, what's what's your stamina? What's your level of stamina right now? Um, just um, pertaining to this, or in general? Uh, let's say in general. Um, so so. I think I have a little bit of an allergy right now. So. Mm. Um, and how long have you been doing this work? Um. I would say about five years. And is it is it exhausting? From time to time. And are you feeling exhausted now? No, not really. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, what what I would say is, uh, the suggestion that I'm getting is that you approach this gently, right? Without trying to, without making it a big, uh, hmm, what's the right way, the way to say this? Without implying that there's a big commitment on either party's part to okay. test the waters for uh, compatibility in energy. So how much energy you'll expend versus how much energy AF will expend, right? Uh, There's a a warning here that the the energy expenditure could get unbalanced. It could be exhausting. But at the same time, there's also a possibility that it could fall into a very nurturing and gentle, as you as you said, a nurturing kind of environment, and and who would be the nurturer here? Um, I think it would be both, really. Hmm. Okay, um, I like that. Yeah, I think it would be both. You know, protecting like each that. other from being overdriven. Right. Right. Hmm. And um, does AF have? Tell me a little bit about AF's um, hmm. entrepreneurial spirit, willingness to visit uh, the unknown, for example. I, I know um, that he's done it before. Um, I... I believe it's it's a strong one. I know that he's done it before. Hmm. Okay. Being, you know. And and does he have he has the bandwidth, uh, the time and energy to to potentially participate with you? 
Um, that I don't know if he would delegate or, you know, to someone else around him or if he would say, okay, um, just keep me posted, you know, and you go ahead and, you know, do your thing and just give me updates. And and are you, like, moving into his town or something? Um, no, visiting. Oh, okay. All right, well... What I see, what I see a, 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 a few cards laid out here for you. Um, I see a, a precursor condition where there's energy available. Let me let me see. There's energy available and there's courage available, but they're both blocked and. That sort of represents the the conditions leading up to the moment. Then there's this potential for really for either um, mutual support or mutual energetic dissipation. Uh-huh. But if you manage that well, the upshot is a very powerful indication of strength. So, so if I, if I give it with that background, what you might sense where I'm probing, one of you has the power and one of you has the courage, but both of you are blocked (laughs) or have been Mm. blocked. Right. And so in order for that to unblock itself, you're going to have to, you'll have to engage, but you have to make sure that you engage with balanced energy or you'll exhaust each other. But if you engage with balanced energy, you'll end up with a very powerful combination. The duo will be very powerful. That makes a lot of sense, actually. So how uh, how are you going to... Um, Proceed? Well, what's... Okay, let me, let me ask this question. Um, what have you been doing that you're pretty sure you need to stop doing, but you just haven't had the courage to stop. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Uh, maybe it's um, uh, a personality quirk that you've been working on that you haven't, that you know you need to change, but you haven't really done it. Something is ripe for relinquishing, letting go, getting out. Is it a need to control? Um, no, I don't think that's it. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's him. What is what does he need to? What's ripe for him to let go of? I really haven't um, spoken with him in a while. Like I said, it it wasn't mm-hmm. like a severing. It was just you know like kind of a losing touch. Right, um, right. So I really couldn't say. Okay. Well, here's what, so, so what I, what I recommend then is that you carefully approach the topic that you suggest it lightly, not as a big business proposition, uh, and that you get to know him a little bit more and see what uh, is really up for him and see what that lights up for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, somebody's some. Okay, yes, uh, yeah. All right. So what I've got here is somebody's energy is blocked, and somebody's courage is blocked. And one of you has to let something go, leave something behind. And one of you has to find your passion. Okay. Which, which one sounds like you? I think I have my passion. Um, mm-hmm. The um, courage part of even just, you know, asking, I guess, could be for me. Um, yeah, and what? So, would you? What might you be letting go of a sense of um, self doubt? Well, that could be. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow! I th- you know, there's there's the the, uh, the the there's a delicate process right in the middle of this thing, you know, uh-huh. and it, it's important. It's important that you not exhaust yourselves with um, too much too quickly and that you learn to, to support each other uh, slowly. I, that slowly is the wrong, the wrong word. I don't really want to say slowly. I want to say um, in a measured, thoughtful way. Because uh-huh. you're, there's a, there's an awful uh, when when you start doing business with somebody in general, uh, and also as indicated by the cards here, there's a there's an awful lot you don't know until uh-huh. you actually start doing the work together about how you're going to react to conditions and situations. And if you put too much pressure on the development of the relationship between the two of you because the business pressures demand it, it can get squirrely and exhausting really fast. But if you go slowly so that really people are participating, they're participating out of a desire, not out of an obligation, Mm -hmm. then you get a much better response. So going slowly helps you, you know, pick one little project to work on together see how it goes, then, mm-hmm. then try another one and then try another one. And then, you know, after you've got a few of those under your belt then maybe you try two, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Okay. Wow. Is, yeah. So is that, is that helpful? Oh yes, definitely. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. Thank All right. You so much. Anything else I can help you with? Um, I don't know. Do you see anything in terms of love? If you have the time, love. Everybody likes yeah. to talk about love. Let's see. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> let's see what the, let's see what the cards have to say about love for you. Thank you. I think you have some work to do before you before your love appears, and and maybe this is uh relates to your business. Um. So, so when you, so here's the deal. When you do your work, and it is work, you, you have work to do, um, 
remember to bring all of your expressive self to it. In right, my this work is, dealings as well, like, because that's yes. where, okay. Yeah, so, so if, you, if you choose to engage in the endeavors of your career, don't make that separate from your expressive, creative, joyful self. In other words, all the work and no play makes Catherine a dull girl. Uh-huh. Right? So, <laughs> so in, the, in the middle of your work, in, embedded in your work, bring expressiveness, playfulness, and joyfulness. And that will, uh, that'll be, in a way, the kind of work you need to do on yourself to help facilitate the emergence of the version of you that will attract the love that you want. Wow. Does that make sense? so powerful. Yes, that's so powerful. You know, dancing, dancing your dance in your work, not just in your, in your free time. Being, being beautiful and radiant and expressive and fun and joyful in your work is important to develop you into the person that will be able to receive and, and all, therefore will attract the love that is destined for you. Wow. And that's not just related to this job. That's related to any job, any time, any place in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it sounds like just being authentic. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's a little bit more than being authentic. And a little uh, bit more, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because because there's a there's a there's a there's a playfulness and a joyfulness that you know we can be authentic and be and be stoic and we can be authentic and be serious and solemn that that's not what this is saying this is saying you know <laughs> i i don't i'll say it this way let your freak flag fly you know be your true be your true colors in your in your in, in your work as well as in your sort of personal life okay and I don't know how freaky it has to be. Just, it's just like you know, make sure that it's make sure that it's not black and white. I guess. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you're you're Thank so you. welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the number to call in is six four six seven one six five five one zero. You're welcome to call in. I've got an empty queue, so you will definitely have a chance to be heard. 646-716-5510. Give me a call. This is the Soulbox Live call-in show. We're here to take your calls and give you uh, intuitive coaching and uh, messages from the other side of the veil. We're here. My name is John Carasella, and we'll be back shortly.
Welcome back, everybody. That uh, beautiful track is actually uh, called Metatron, and it's by uh, Sitara Martin Jarku. And I, I love her work. She's a um, uh, French woman, uh, is a psychotherapist, actually, uh, and also does shamanic work. And she put together a really cool album uh, that... Um, she shared with me in uh, the segment Spirit, Muse, and Song from my other show, A Shamanic Life. And uh, su super enjoyable to talk to, very interesting. You can find out more um, at Shamanic Life Radio on sh shamaniclife.com. Go check it out. Uh, we still have uh, an, an open queue here, 646-716-5510. So give us a call if you would like to talk, uh, if you want to uh, check in on anything, get some guidance from uh, the divine. My name is John Carousella, and I'm here to here to serve. So at the moment, since we have an, uh, an empty queue, I'm going to just continue to share a little bit from my forthcoming book, upcoming book in progress, The Path of the Sorcerer. And I was talking about sorcery um, and I think it's useful to take up the question of why sorcery as a practice has a negative rap. Now, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse in Fantasia, he's out there trying to, trying to get the brooms to make his cleaning, clean up his fetching of water go easier. It gets out of hand. Um, in the Lord of the Rings, Sauron is a total bad guy. We get lots of, um, impressions that sorcery is dangerous uh, and maybe even evil and certainly in nobody's best interests. In my formative years, uh, as I began to study this stuff, I read a lot of Carlos Castaneda's work. And Castaneda describes his mentor, Don Juan, as a sorcerer. And I found that, that to be quite interesting. Um, because Don Juan seemed to have so much power. Now, when I started studying with Michael Harner and I started studying shamanism, Harner was quite direct in his admonition that we not practice sorcery. And I have to admit that I was bummed about that. Um, because why? Because I was still very attached to my ego. I was quite honestly on a quest for power. And while it wasn't completely clear, clear to me at the time, and it wasn't my only motive, I, I was on a quest for personal power. And shamanism, as Harner teaches it, requires the release of the ego in the quest for power. It's okay to be a vessel for compassionate power. To be a vessel for compassionate power. That's referred to in shamanism often as being the hollow bone. And it's appropriate in being the hollow bone to use discernment in bridging the gap between non-ordinary beings in the upper and lower worlds, those compassionate beings, and those needing healing and assistance in the middle world, both of ordinary and non-ordinary reality middle world. So it's okay to be the hollow bone and it's okay to use discernment to direct that power into the middle world 
of humans and into the middle world of spirit. But to take the power into one's own hands, that is a recipe for trouble. So, you know, I thought about I thought about the implications of that for a long time, and I wrestled with it. And I found that often my ability to engage in the fundamental tool of the shaman, entering a trance state to journey into non-ordinary reality, was frustrated. Often when I would journey, I would be stuck in the middle world. And it dawned on me that I was being frustrated in my efforts um, to get to the compassionate spirits because my ego was quite literally blocking the way. I wanted to be in control. I didn't want to relinquish control to the compassionate spirits. My ego wanted to do what my ego wanted to do. And that became uh, a limiting factor in my ability to, to connect to the power that I was quest for which I was questing. My ego was blocking the way. So I did what any self-respecting type A Silicon Valley driver type would do. I kept forcing the issue. <laughs> I kept insisting. And what I ended up doing was because, because I was unable to relinquish my ego, I ended up using the tools that I could get my hands on. And really the tools that I could get my hands on were the tools of sorcery. So, uh, so we'll have a little bit more on that story in a minute. Um, I do have a caller from 914 area code, 914. 914, are you there? Hello. 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 What's your name? What's your name? Nina. Nina. How are you doing, Nina? Fine. How are you? Good. And where are you calling from, Nina? I call it from Rockley County, New York. Ah, okay. We got a, a bunch of New York happening this morning. That's great. Well, this afternoon for you, oh, yeah. Nina. How can I how can I help you? What do you, do you have uh, a question? Yes, please. I I want to know if you have a message from my husband here passed away. Uh, I'm sorry. Can you ask that question again, just a little bit more slowly for me? Message from my husband. My husband passed away. You give a message. Oh, I'm so sorry, Nina. I'm having trouble understanding you. I said, my husband My husband passed away. My husband is dying. She got a message. Your husband is dying? Yes, you got a message from my husband. Well, I understand that your husband is dying, but I can't quite understand what else you're asking me. So give me my side, my side from the husband is dead. You understand? No, something, something about the the word that begins with an S. I'm not understanding. It's a message, message from my husband. Sudge. What is sudge? Message from my husband. I did that to talk. Do. Oh, I mean, I'm so terribly sorry. I, I've, I'm, I'm humbled by my right, inability to you, understand. Why do you see my future? Uh, you're, okay, so that's something that I can look at. 
right. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for being uh, forgiving of my um, my struggle right. here. This is my future. Yeah. Let's look. Let's look. Your husband is dying. First, let me offer condolences to you and support in what will no doubt is no doubt is a very difficult thing for you. Are you, um, how are your, how are your, um, me, I'm okay. Your and and how are your finances? About finances, I want to know. Your finances are well. So, so I I see that there's an opportunity uh, for you to have a gentle and satisfying uh, life. And it involves to to for that to come tr to fruition. There's a a kind of gentle generosity that is will will make that happen for you. So so as you go through what is no doubt um, going to be a difficult time, uh, whatever comes through. Uh, for you financially, there's a, an encouragement to be gently generous. Now, so some of this might be the what happens with your husband's estate, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about money. It's really about the idea that the that the world is a fruitful place. That that, that your efforts in the world. Are, you know what? Here's what I want to say. I want to say, be a gardener. Be a gardener. If you, yeah. if you can be a gardener in your life, if you can tend to the people around you, to the environment around you as a loving gardener, and you give yourself generously to tending the garden that God has placed around you, then your future will be, can be beautiful. And it's the generosity of, uh, the generosity of your heart, the generosity of your sense of, uh, of caring for the world around you that will bring the most positive result in your future. No, it, it, it might it might not always be easy, but the but being gently generous you, and also taking care of yourself, loving yourself. This is not to, this is not to suggest that you should give everything away. That's not right. You need to tend to yourself and love yourself. So you are also part part of the garden. So how do you tend to yourself as part of the garden is important. You have to be ready to tend to that part of the garden that is you just as lovingly as you tend to the garden that is all around you. Okay. So I hope that's helpful. Um, is there something, is there something that you would like us to do 
Um, would you like us to to say a prayer uh, to offer love for your husband or for your family? I, I know this must be a challenging time for you. Thank you. I say a prayer all the time. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. Have, I'm going to have a, I'm going to go on the trip. You think I'm going to have a good time if the people are going to treat me good? You can see that? Let's see. A trip. Are you expecting to be uh, excited about this trip? Is it going to be a fun trip for you? Yeah. We'll see. <clears throat> hmm. Okay, so I would say that um, the trip could be fun, but uh, uh, one thing that you want to do on this trip is be very clear about um, what's realistic. Right, it, it might be easy for you to get uh, distracted by a lot of different things that uh, don't, that won't actually bear fruit. That won't be a good part of the garden. So, so stay focused on what's what's good and what's important. I see. So they're not going to be that fun. I think it can be fun. I think it just is. It got to be moderate moderation. Be be practical. Be practical. I think is is a good way yeah. to say it. Be you know if you get okay. a little too excited. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Enjoy your trip and uh, be blessed. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, the number six four six seven one six five five one zero to call in to share time with us here at Soulbox Live, your questions answered, your heart tended as gently as we can. Uh, I'd be delighted to hear from you. Um, we'll be back in a jiffy.
That is uh, uh, the piece called Opening the Gate by a friend of mine, Gentle Thunder. It's played on the hammer dulcimer. It's one of my favorite instruments. I love the hammer dulcimer, and uh, Gentle Thunder's work is beautiful. Um, so look her up as well. The number to call in, 646-716-5510. We're here, uh, available. My name is John Carousella. Um, I host Convergence on the third Sunday of the month, on Sunday mornings at the same time. Uh, it is a, an exploration of science and mysticism, the, the convergence of science and mysticism. So much of the time we have a view that there is some wall between the scientific world and the mystical world and as I said at the top of the show, the quote from Arthur Clarke, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Magic and science are not so far apart. And with that, uh, again, 646-716-5510, feel free to call in. Um, I will take your calls. But at the moment, since we have uh, an empty queue, I want to go back to sorcery. So... This idea that um, working with the compassionate spirits is one that requires the practitioner to let go of the personal ego. But working in sorcery, you get to hold on to your ego. And since I was unwilling and unable and unready to let go of my ego, I ended up doing a bunch of sorcery. Now, before you run fast and far away from me, I want to take another look at sorcery, this time from a slightly different perspective, from a modern perspective. You know, look in your pocket. Find your mobile phone. Take a look at your mobile phone. The sand has been co-opted by humanity to make a silicon chip. The aluminum shell has been shaped. The aluminum itself, a result of an alchemical refining process. The infrastructure that carries the signal across the landscape and the signal itself. All of these facets of that device derive from elemental power harnessed by the ego. And the software, the software that runs it, the utility of the applications residing on it, all a product of some unknown number of fallible people expressing their ego. Now, I'm pretty sure you don't understand that phone in all its deepest complexity any more than I do. And yet we use it and we benefit from it. And we, some of us more than others, profit from it. I want to point out that your phone is a product of sorcery. Your car is a product of sorcery. The fact that you can hear my voice is a result of sorcery. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from sorcery. And I would say really the exercise of any technology that engages the resources and personalities of the world the resources and personalities of the world, the exercise of any technology that engages the resources and personalities of the world 
as an act of sorcery. The only question is, where do you draw the line? Harner would say that when you stray into non-ordinary reality, that's where you cross the line. Now, for me, I've come to the conclusion that really, there is no line. It's all sorcery in ordinary reality or non-ordinary reality. And it's neither bad nor good. It's just the choice to harness power and bend it using the will and using the ego. Now, let's take a moment to reflect, and if we're honest about it, to admonish. If we look at how we as humans have used technology to wield power, the result is decidedly mixed. An honest assessment shows us to be pretty sloppy and inconsiderate in our application of power and service to our egos. That's what we do when we, when we practice sor sorcerer. We take power into our own hands and apply it in service to our egos. And so it's easy to see where sorcery gets its bad reputation. Sorcery gets its bad reputation from us. We're human beings and we have capacity, curiosity, and desire. And those characteristics are not likely to go away anytime soon. So what do we do about it? What's the honorable course of action? For me, I say, as in sex education, so in sorcery. Ignorance and abstinence is not a successful strategy. Responsible use and abstinence can only come through education, understanding, mentorship, and maturity. So I say, welcome to the path of the sorcerer because you're already on it. You've been on it for a long time, your whole life, in fact. What I've learned is that there's lots to discover working and walking both sides of the reality line, both sides of the veil, both sides, non-ordinary and ordinary reality. And I've loved the exploration and I've learned so much about the world we live in and about the way power flows through it, through this exploration. And I've learned to love and love the creation much more deeply through it. And yes, I have accumulated some personal power along the way. And fortunately, my desire to exercise it has been beautifully tempered, at least, at the very least, by age and circumstance. So, you know, you live, you learn, you explore, you develop. The universe we occupy is a pretty magical place. It's in the open. It's in the, it's, it's available for us. And I think its openness is part of its essential character and beauty. And the fact that there are powers that are available for us to use without the powers themselves having judgment about how we use them. And the fact that we as humans have a particular capacity to seek, discover, explore, and exercise power is a natural part of the universe that we live in. So I think in, in, the, open, in the open, innocent pursuit of understanding that we find answers and then more questions more quests, more vistas. So 
we're already practicing sorcery. We're already engaged in the process of experiencing, exploring, and bending the universe to our egoic will. And I think it's instructive for us to be honest about how that's going and how we're doing in that process and what we might want to do better, perhaps more gently, more adeptly, more consciously. Ignorance and abstinence is not a recipe for success. So as you proceed through your life and you seek personal power, you, you quest for information and delight in the discovery of what's there. Just remember that we're all together. We're all in this together. We're all part of one beautiful, magical universe on one beautiful little blue marble rolling in space. And that it's a special privilege to be here. So tend to the garden gently and wisely. And may your September coming up be blissful and rich. And thank you very much for listening. Thank <laughs> you.